Welcome to the Face Plays podcast. My name is Mel. I'm an oral health therapist and orofacial myofunctional therapist at my practice, The Face Place. Each week, I'll be interviewing a different professional to learn all about their area of expertise and how it relates to oral and facial function, dental health, and the whole body. Let's get to our guest. Melanie Nolan is a naturopath and mother of three girls. In 2018, she founded her naturopathy clinic, The Natal Naturopath, which focuses on women's health. In 2022, Melanie launched her iron and prenatal supplement range after finding that the current options weren't meeting her clients' needs. Melanie is deeply passionate about closing the gap between baby care and mother care, which impacts the health and experiences of women and their families. Hi, Melanie. Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today to talk about all things pregnancy, nutrition and supplements. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. It is such a passion topic of mine. Absolutely. And that's basically my first question. So as a naturopath and your beautiful business, The Natal Naturopath, why did you decide to lean that way with your naturopathy practice and, and focus on women? So I have three daughters. So I have Willow. So my first daughter, after I had her, I found my health really suffered and I was struggling in able to find that care for myself, that holistic care, and also feeling like every appointment was centered around her, Willow, more baby care led versus me. And as I started studying, I realized there's so much to maternal health that just isn't maybe given much attention when we're in just the mainstream medical sort of model and certain ways of looking at things. So really holistically, how everything interconnects to something else and just learning so much about the value of nutrition and optimal blood tests versus blood tests that a doctor might be looking with their sort of medical goggles on of you don't quite have a disease or a diagnosis, but it might be suboptimal. That's where naturopathic care is just so brilliant at aiding that. So yeah, so it was really my own experience of becoming a mother. And then when I had my twins, I had all this knowledge from my degree and their postpartum and my adjustment to life with twins was so much better than I anticipated. And I just was like, oh my God, how does no one, you know, how is this not being spoken about the way that we can actually mentally and physically feel so much better after having a baby? We don't need to feel, I think the way that's quite normalized in society around feeling you know, half dead, your new mom, you're meant to be exhausted, your new mom, you're meant to be this and that. And so my two different experiences made me so passionate about the second experience I had and learning, especially about postpartum. But then from there, you know, I've attracted clients in all sorts of areas of their health. And so just focusing on all things women now. Yeah. There's such a big difference between common and normal, right? And that's our common has become normal. And yeah, you're right. The fatigue that comes with caring for a baby, though it's maybe varying degrees of wakeful, but you should be able to cope with it and still potentially thrive through that season. And that's so not the norm. (laughs) So how does that involve our, our nutritional status through pregnancy? Why is that so important as part of that picture of our recovery and experience? So to me, you know, your nutritional stores are just the most important factor in what's going to dictate your postpartum. That's my opinion. Like if we look at what pregnancy is doing to the female body, we're growing a whole human from scratch. It takes such a toll on our body. And if we didn't come into the pregnancy with good nutritional stores, maybe your iron was a little bit low, your B12 was suboptimal, your thyroid was a bit slow, like little things like that, you know, they can really 
cause you to feel so terrible in the pregnancy. And so for your own maternal health, you might feel exhausted. You might feel mentally really flat. So if deficiencies in pregnancy, there's research showing that they can lead to certain outcomes in postpartum. So if you have iron deficiency, you are more likely to have postpartum depression. If you have iron deficiency in pregnancy, you're more likely to have a maternal hemorrhage during birth. So making sure we are on top of all of the nutrition aspects is so important because you're going to have less risk of of actual adverse health outcomes. But then for baby, if we look at for baby, you know, there are so many links between preterm labor, preeclampsia, like I said, hemorrhage, developmental concerns in baby if we have deficiencies in certain nutrients. So like there's so much research around low iron and what that can do to a baby's brain development as well. And then the placenta does an amazing job of growing the baby, but unfortunately it does divert a lot of the nutrients towards the baby, even if it's at a detriment to the mother. And so that means that your body is going to prioritize giving those nutrients to baby. And if you don't have many there, it's like, imagine you've got a bucket with a huge hole at the bottom and that hole's leading to the baby. You've got to have a good amount in the bucket to start with otherwise. And then once baby's born, this is where we see women falling down to postpartum depletion and poor mental health outcomes as well. Yeah. Do you find that it's a more common scenario to be entering pregnancy with a nutritional deficiency than coming into it? I think now there's more talk about preconception period and consciously conceiving and taking that time before falling pregnant to work on your health. So to me, that would be a blood test three months before trying to conceive to get a really good overview of what's happening because some deficiencies take a few months to rectify. But more often than not, the low iron is the main one I see. It's the biggest nutritional deficiency in the world. And so Honestly, most in my practice, my clinic, it would be low iron and then you're already iron deficient and growing a whole human with its own blood supply, your iron will just plummet. And this is why we see iron infusions and they're just so common. But I was just wanting to make note of DHA. This is such an interesting nutrient that if you aren't taking in enough DHA, so think like fatty fishes, avocados, nut oils, nuts and seeds, things like that. If the mother isn't taking in enough DHA, then her body will actually break apart her own DHA reserves to give over to the baby. And that's found within your brain. So you do not want to be taking DHA out of your brain because there's the link and idea that it could be impacting your cognition, your memory, your mood and things like that. So baby needs DHA for its own brain development and the body knows it can't go without. It's going to take it off you. That sounds like baby brain. Yeah. So Dr. Oscar Serilak, who wrote the postnatal depletion cure, he said in his book, there's not a great deal of clinical research to support his idea, but he said he strongly believes baby brain is linked to a lack of DHA where it's literally been taken from parts of our brain and making them function suboptimally. And can we restore that? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So it's definitely reversible, but you would need to be supplementing or focusing on very, very high DHA levels in your diet. So how can women support their nutritional levels during their pregnancy? So I think having a really good overview of where you started so that you know if there are any changes in the pregnancy, that can be really tracked, I suppose, because, you know, you want to know like how quickly has this occurred? Did I start with amazing iron and then it's slowly gone down or things like that? But the first thing is taking a really good prenatal 
diet, think of it like an insurance policy, because if there are any gaps in your diet, then the prenatal will completely fill that. And at least you don't have to be too stressed about eating perfectly and enough of every single nutrient because the prenatal will have the amount you need to at least do certain things like prevent spina bifida and things like that. Yeah, especially when we don't know how pregnancy is going to impact eating abilities and our diet. I, like My diet in my first trimester was in the toilet, <laughs> actually until about 18 to 20 weeks around there when I stopped vomiting constantly. Yeah, so I guess that's a really good point to come to it as best as you can because there potentially is a period there of a couple of months where your intake is maybe not the best. Yes. So hopefully if we did in an ideal world, we've done our preconception blood work three months before trying to conceive and we've gotten a really good idea of what needs fixing. And then you're walking into the pregnancy with these nutritional buckets really full and your health as optimal as it can be. So if anything pops up like hyperemesis or just really bad morning sickness or just an aversion to certain fruits and vegetables, then you know I have that leeway. So if my levels do drop and hopefully taking a prenatal, but also if you're vomiting, that's really difficult to be taking tablets as well. Also, I strongly suggest women take a DHA supplement through pregnancy. And that's for the reasons I already spoke about where the research is so strong on the benefits of DHA. And that just means that you don't have to eat a great deal of those fatty fishes and things like that. You just, you're having the clinical dose every day. So you don't need to worry too much I also prescribe if someone's obviously low in iron, we need an iron supplement because if you're low with iron deficiency or iron deficiency anemia, dietary intake will not be enough. So just increasing your red meat normally won't get you out of anemia. So just supplementing based on your bloods, really. Like if you had low vitamin D, you might need a higher dose of vitamin D to sort that out in the pregnancy. If you have had a stillborn or a miscarriage or preeclampsia before, calcium supplementation is really important. So yeah, there are a couple of things depending on your own health. Yeah. So iron's a pretty big theme there. And as you said before, it's like the most common nutritional deficiency in the world. What are some of the reasons that's happening? Yeah. Gosh, if I could answer that, you know, you know, my thoughts would be- five dot points. Thanks, Melanie. Yeah. My thoughts would be that current supplements from the chemist are quite poor quality and poor form. So when we look at the varying forms of iron, some of the ones like ferrous sulfate, ferrous fumarate, they don't absorb very well. And so relying on that to sort your iron levels out, it can take a really long time and it often can't work at all or it doesn't work at all. New research is suggesting that taking your iron supplement every second day is actually increasing the absorption due to a response that our gut has called hepcidin. So hepcidin increases when we take an iron and it takes around 24 to 48 hours to lower back down to allow more iron through the gut wall. So it's a bit of a protective thing. So we don't overdose in iron. Sorry, I tell all my clients that doing second day dosing works brilliantly and that's really working well for my clients. What else were you, sorry, we're going to. Yeah. So are there like dietary iron sources that when just not getting to be so sort of across the board low in iron or there environmental factors that are affecting our ability? So dietary wise, you know, I don't know whether we're eating enough meat. Women, especially the clients I see, I don't know if we're eating enough iron-rich foods. Contrary to what the <laughs> big marketing sort of vegan vegetarian campaigns might be telling For sure. us. Yeah. So there's that. Like I know myself, my intake of iron-rich meats is certainly nowhere near. I just don't like them. I just don't personally want to eat them. So that 
environmental absorption and how well your gut functions is a really big one. And you really don't know how well your gut's functioning until you maybe speak to a practitioner and have them guide investigations for you. But yes, there could be issues with people's absorption. So the iron literally isn't getting through the gut wall because of certain issues. So you mentioned infusions before there and that that really common picture that we see where women are iron deficient in third trimester of their pregnancy. And we've already kind of touched on it a little bit, but not all iron supplements are made equal, are they? Yep. So varying forms of iron, they all have different absorption, I suppose, absorption profiles. So some absorb a lot better than others. And there's a lot of research around that. So ferrous biglycinate is the most absorbed iron form in the clinical research. So that obviously is the best one to be taking if you have iron deficiency. And the iron infusions are sort of hopefully your last resort. So hopefully you've been able to get onto it early enough so that you can take supplements because iron infusions, you know, it's a big toll on the body. It's a lot of iron in one hit. There are risk of adverse reactions. And also the safety profile hasn't been extensively studied within pregnant women. So it's certainly my preference for someone to be supplementing, but that's not always possible if it was picked up very last, like late minute, you know, in the pregnancy comes back full circle to that preconception and just sort of early testing and awareness, doesn't it? So if you had the ability to be aware of and maintain your iron before and throughout your pregnancy, then maybe wouldn't have ended up in that. Yeah, that's right. And also getting blood tests every trimester is really important as well. Like I speak to some women like, I haven't had a blood test for 20 weeks. And I'm just like, oh, how is that possible? You know, something could have dropped without us realizing. And so I suggest a pregnancy blood test every trimester just to keep a track on your iron and certain things like vitamin D. We just want to know like, are they okay as the pregnancy, as the pregnancy continues, the toll on you changes, the baby's growing different things. And so we just want to make sure your iron is staying okay. And if it's not, then we address that. Yeah. And you have developed your own supplements to address this yeah. <laughs> this issue that we have with the types of iron that are available and how they're taken and things like that. So yeah, what led you down that path to want to, want to make your own product? So especially around the iron supplements, so my iron's called Iron Biotic. So I've been iron deficient more times in my life than I can count, you know, just around especially periods and having babies, having twins, things like that. And ones from the chemist would are just so notoriously constipating. And that's the number one factor in people either adhering or stopping their iron supplement is if it causes them constipation, they're not going to continue it. And I just thought to myself, there has to be a better way. Like there there has to be a better way in making an iron supplement. So it's non-constipating and looking at one that has cofactors to help iron. So when you have low iron, just taking iron isn't actually always what's needed. It might be that you need copper as well because copper is really important in regulating ferritin levels. You might need some B vitamins because B vitamins are needed to help produce hemoglobin. So, you know, if you had anemia, you need to also make more hemoglobin. So that was what I was wanting. I wanted one, an iron supplement that was as non-constipating as possible and also had the best form of iron in the right amount and with all the cofactors that would aid, you know, ferritin being increased. Yeah. And that's cycle thing back again, isn't it? That if you are already potentially in sort of a poor gut health picture, which is affecting your iron absorption, and then you take a standard over-counter iron supplement, which constipates you and has an effect on gut function, and then you're not absorbing that on top of having the symptoms from the supplement, it's 
It's a bit brutal. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, the ones at the chemist, the most popular brands, they are very high dose iron, very, very high dose. Like some of them are above hundred milligrams of iron yet what this does is we do not absorb all of that in one hit, especially if we're taking it daily because of that hepcidin response. And so there's research to suggest that excess iron, it actually causes a bit of dysbiosis within our gut tract and it can also increase negative flora to flourish. So the bacteria we don't want to flourish can lead to inflammation as well because any iron that's not absorbed actually just recirculates and it's pro-inflammatory. So there's a lot to it. And so taking the right amounts really important for our gut health and our overall inflammation levels. And my iron biotic has a probiotic strain within it. So that was to aid in digestive health because digestive health is a concern when people take iron. Great. And you have a prenatal as well yeah 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 we've spoken a lot about iron but that's that's kind of a whole other field taking the prenatals and and what the difference is between those qualities so the main reason I wanted to make my prenatal was because especially around looking at superior forms of like I mentioned the different forms of the nutrients so I included methylfolate I chose that instead of folic acid that's a whole nother topic but you're having the most bioavailable nutrient forms were really important to me and also in doses that will actually do something. I didn't want to just tick a box and have the ingredient in there. I really wanted to have them in the correct doses for women and so that they weren't having to take so many different supplements on top of the prenatal because I found when I was prescribing prenatals, I'm like, oh, you need an added choline supplement, for example. Not a, Well, my Evernatal contains a really high amount of choline and that was really important to me based on what it can do for neural tube development and brain development. And so trying to just get it all in the one product rather than having to just take so many different things to make sure we're hitting the right targets. Yeah, and that's, again, when you're pregnant, trying to swallow a bunch of tablets and a bunch of water that comes with it and then kind of all the money you've spent on it and crossing fingers, hoping it doesn't come back up by the end of the day. (laughs) Yeah. And I wanted a prenatal that didn't have iron. So I did that very specifically because you are not supposed to take iron and zinc together. They don't absorb well together. And so coming back to actually why a lot of women are iron deficiency in pregnancy, I also wonder, is it because their prenatals contain zinc and iron in the same capsule? They're not really absorbing much of either potentially, and then slowly, slowly their iron drops. So I took iron out The other reason I took iron out is because women with hemochromatosis don't need extra iron and they struggle immensely to find a prenatal that caters to them. So I couldn't find a prenatal that didn't have iron in it. So that was why I wanted to take it out, have it on its own. Then you take the iron on its own away from the prenatal. And I think that's going to help absorption for sure. Yeah. It makes you wonder, like, why are these products even made? Like, why does that happen? Like, oh, I just think, you know, new research, things change. We learn so much more. Some supplements are made because of bottom dollars and business money making. And yeah, that obviously changes the quality of it. Absolutely. If the company is really thinking about what's the cheapest form I can put in here, you know. I saw on Georgie... Stevens Instagram recently I spoke to her a couple of episodes back and she did a she's done a whole lot of research and compared a whole lot of her supplements and yours were like five star they were top of the list yeah I saw that she's so great yeah and like uh, being a naturopath I think that's really helped me in formulating my own products because I had that background knowledge of what do people need what's the main hurdle what's the biggest problems with their supplements right now so I have a unique set of eyes that really helped develop these products. 
Yeah, that's great. So I always try to make the connection with my guests with what's happening with dental and oral health, because obviously that's my, as you said, medical goggles before. I've got dental goggles. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so with nutritional deficiencies, whether we're pregnant or not, we know that they have a really strong relationship with tooth decay and gum disease. And then those things, when we are pregnant, that's going to have a huge impact on our pregnancy outcomes and experience. Like the last thing a woman in her third trimester wants to do is go and have a toothache sorted out, like that sort of thing. And then gum disease itself has a relationship with preeclampsia and low birth weights and preterm births. And there's quite a big picture there. But I was wanting to ask you from your naturopath perspective, if you have a patient that informs you that they have gum disease or tooth decay or a history of those things, what are you thinking about their health? What's missing? What do they need to work on? Mm-hmm. So like you mentioned, I would be thinking deficiencies firstly, if it's not something else quite obvious that that their dentist has picked up or something like that. But I would be looking at a thorough blood test. I'd really want to see their vitamin D levels and also just talking about their diet and seeing if there's any gaps that I can really see. Okay. Yes. It sounds as though you might be deficient in this nutrient talking about calcium intake. I know I'm, I don't know a lot about this. I do know thyroid conditions can lead you to have poor oral health. So, you know, a good blood test will be checking on thyroid, whether that's functioning optimally you know, not so much teeth, but like if they've got recurrent sores in their mouth, ulcers, I'd be curious about iron, B vitamins, things like that. So my main one would be definitely looking at deficiencies and seeing if there is any, even just suboptimal deficiency where you're not quite sitting on that, that out of of the reference range, but you're low enough to be like, okay, definitely we need to address this because you're not where you need to be. Yeah. Especially if you've got, as you said, just suboptimal deficiencies that aren't necessarily diagnosable or really serious, but nothing exists in isolation. So if you've got that thing kind of just sitting below par and you're adding that with, say, mouth breathing or a dry mouth or maybe your diet's not great or, again, when pregnant, have you been able to brush your teeth? (laughs) For myself, wow, gag reflex. I hadn't thought of that. that. (laughs) Yeah. And also maybe asking questions around their gut function because the gut microbiome tract begins in your mouth. So if there's any gut issues, then that would make me question about their oral microbiome as well. And sometimes the symptoms might be more obvious digestively. They're not going to necessarily have with your gut, you can ask so many questions about your gut function. And that just gives you such a good picture as to whether your microbiome is, is where it should be. Yeah, we so often forget that, or probably you don't forget it, but maybe as a as a wider community, we forget that all people aren't even really aware that digestion starts in the mouth. Your whole digestive tract is one start to finish, one length. It's one continuous. Carbohydrates, they begin digesting in your mouth. Isn't that something like, I learned that at uni. It's not something I, but it's interesting that you do forget those things. Like you need certain things there to begin that process of digestion. So even if you've got deficiencies on your blood test, like low B12 and low iron, that not, and their diet sounding really, it's covering all bases. You do wonder about digestion and are you chewing properly? Are you sitting down to eat? And then you wonder about the digestive juices and all of that. Yeah, absolutely. Preparing ourselves to digest. Actually, I, I read something from a gut health practitioner recently that was actually went even one step further than what I usually do talking about how much we chew in our posture and things like that while we're eating. And they said actually like mentally preparing for your meal, which is that sort of, as you said, taking the time you're sitting down for a meal. It's an experience rather than like you're on the go and it's like a snack bar in the car or you're running after the kids, which is not always optional. I know not always possible, but yes, trying your best to sit down and slowly eating properly and all the digestive acids, they just are there in a better amount when we do it like that. 
Yeah. Right. So to end our little chat today, Melanie, I have some questions for you that are going to change the world. (laughs) So if you could change one thing about our current healthcare system, like what would you like to change? I would like to see naturopaths having a bigger seat at the table. I really, I think they, obviously I'm very biased, but I think that having a naturopath in your healthcare team is just so, so amazing for your, like just your holistic health, looking at things with your GP and having that collaborative approach would be fantastic. And then I I would like to see naturopaths, you know, being referred to for women in postpartum more. So I would love to see every woman seeing a naturopath after they've had a baby because what we can do is just, I think, so impactful to how the whole family unit is. Like there's some amazing quotes. I'm not going to quote them well, but, you know, about the families, if the mother is coping and if the mother is well, everyone's happier for that. Everyone's healthier for that. You know, we're the, the main part of that unit. So being able to support the mother with naturopaths, things like that, it would be so wonderful to see. Yeah, same thing. I'm going to butcher the quoting. I don't know where it came from and things like that. But like the one of the biggest strategies that I know like environmentalists and things like that say that we can do is educate women and girls because of the change they make within their family and community. So the same goes for their health. If their health improves, if mum's eating better and looking after herself, that means the family is eating better. Oh my gosh. And more active. I mean, like if you're okay, your kids are okay. And I think there's research to suggest that the biggest factor in a male developing postnatal depression, it is the, is the mum having postpartum depression. So that's the biggest risk factor. If his partner or the mother of his children has postpartum depression, that's going to absolutely leave him at more risk. And that just shows you that connection between if the mother is okay, others are going to be okay around her. Yeah. I can imagine it really contributes to like a feeling of helplessness in a male partner to not because there's, as you know, and there's just so many elements to postnatal depression and, and kind of trying to help someone in that situation can take a toll on the support people. So yeah. And I, with postpartum depression, I would love to see medication, not always the first thing like, oh, okay, you're tired and you're depressed. Here's an antidepressant. Like they have a role, but there is other causes, physiological causes of postpartum depression that have the research behind them. So it's like not forgetting those things. If someone has an underfunctioning thyroid, way higher risk of postpartum depression. There's just so many things, but that would be amazing to see as well is that holistic overview. If they've got depression, okay, let's look at everything, not just, okay, a lack of serotonin, here's your antidepressant. Yeah. It's a great emergency support option, but yeah, I think more and more of us are understanding that it's community and village that are one of the biggest things that we're lacking in order to cope with postpartum, let alone before we even start talking like on a micro level about nutrients and things like that. Do you have someone that you can hand baby to? And yeah. And in Western society, we mother alone so much. That's like one of the biggest things I remember is just aside from my mom, but it was just mothering alone hour after hour, having a new baby. She was two weeks old. I was on my own every day, you know, just that stuff. It just takes its toll. So what do you wish was taught in schools about health? I think they sh- I would love to see a change in the way we speak about menstrual cycles to female teenagers, just about the power of them and the brilliance of our bodies, not so much hating on our periods because they're really annoying and just also learning, you know, the different fluctuations within the cycle that actually can change your whole functioning. We have better energy levels at certain parts of our cycle. We have better cognition. We can exercise for longer. That would be amazing. And also learning you cannot fall pregnant 28 days a month. Because we in high school genuinely left class thinking you fertile constantly and just learning about 
the cycle in more depth, I think would be really, really, because I really did an all great deal and I, which is unbelievable. It's like, do they say it's like one of our vital signs? So learning what's normal so that when it's not that way, that gives us a really good clue, like something's going on. Whereas I don't think high school gives that much value onto our cycle. No, yeah, kind of going through that 28-day picture and like that, yeah, I can, like we're always going on a memory now that we're so much older, but <laughs> I can remember, you know, there was this whole sperm meets the egg thing, but I don't remember the conversation about how that egg's not just hanging out, waiting all day, every day in the event the sperm shows up. I know how it happens. And I think about the pill, like learning, I would love it to be taught. What does the pill do? And these, the reasons why it's beneficial. And then these are the things that it's actually, it's doing. And so then someone can make a really informed choice, but we were not taught what the pill did at all. So all of us in high school just went to go on the pill because we're like, this is amazing, you know, but not realizing, oh, it's actually putting us into a bit of a chemical menopause right now. And if I don't have these hormones, what's that doing for my long-term health? You know, if I'm not making progesterone, what does that mean long-term? I mean, taking away progesterone to me is like taking away a male's testosterone. And it's just so, so common. Yeah. And then you look around as everyone starts to have these like mood fluctuations and they get these food intolerances and maybe some people have gained weight and some have got headaches and oh my gosh all of that yep and it's like oh it could be that I did not even consider you know oh but just keep taking it because otherwise you'll get pregnant I know yep yep no I'm with you on that like we haven't even spoken about the moon yet Melanie (laughs) like how good that is with, with periods it's so awesome but yeah totally agree So is there a book or a podcast or a documentary, something that you think that anyone and everyone should listen to or read? Yeah. So I love the Aware Parenting podcast, it's called. So that's one of my favorites. So I guess that's more for parents that would be interested, but oh my God, like life-changing the way I parent the kids that like learning about attachment theory, learning about my own childhood and how that's impacting my parenting. They just did an episode, I always say his name wrong, mate. He's like a leading renowned expert on attachment theory and trauma and addiction in adults. But his interview recently with them was just, it was just so good about attachment theory in children and how, if that's disturbed, what that leads to as an adult trauma. And yeah, it was just amazing. Yeah, that's good. I love a podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. Start binging <laughs> yeah. that one. Yeah. yeah, the whole reason this one started is I'm just addicted to podcasts. So that will be on my list. Thank you. So how can our listeners get in touch with you, work with your beautiful practice? Like how, where are you available? So I'm really active on Instagram. So at the natal naturopath, I post a lot of really, I think, good health tips on there. And then we see clients as well. So you can get all of that info with all of our practitioners on our website, www.thenatalnaturopath com.au awesome and are your supplements retail available oh yeah they- they're on there yeah. too yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah so we sell them on there as well yeah awesome it's really good to know when something if it needs practitioner yeah well you know actually I forgot to mention this but a part of why I made them as well is because I wanted practitioner grade without the need for a prescription because not everyone can see a practitioner and I understand that like financially not everyone can see it's costly to you know see a naturopath so they're retail. You don't need a prescription. Very good. Thank you so much for joining me today, Melanie. And all those details will be in the show notes as well. Thank you so much. See you. 
Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode. Head to the show notes if you would like to get in touch with this week's guest. And if you'd like to learn more about oral and facial function or work with me at The Face Place, you'll find me on Instagram at thefaceplace underscore OFM or at thefaceplaceofm.com.au. The Face Place podcast is recorded on the traditional lands of the Juru people. I would like to pay my respects to the elders past and present.